The Athletic. The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a hand break off. Hello, I'm Ian Stone. Welcome to Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. We're recording this on Monday morning and we've now had a little time to digest what we witnessed yesterday at the Emirates and also to sober up. I'm not naming any names. Our guests this week are Amy Lawrence and Adrian Clark. Morning. Good morning. What another what another fine morning it is. A lovely morning. Amy, you okay? Is this too loud for you or is this okay? Ah, lovely. Morning. <laughs> lovely, lovely. Um, all right. Now, before we get going and talk about the game, it was mentioned during the win over Liverpool that Bukayo Saka eats a Twix before every game. Uh, I should explain for those of our listeners who are not in the UK that a Twix is a caramel shortbread bar covered in milk chocolate. It is essentially sugar covered in sugar. But anyway, it's really nice. (laughs) With that in mind, what is your favourite chocolate bar? All the big questions. All All the big big questions questions will be answered here on Handbrake (laughs) Off. Uh, Adrian, what's your favourite chocolate bar and why? Uh, Well, I don't know if I've got a why. I mean, there's no deeper reason why other than I like the taste of it, really. Okay, that's the why. Yeah, but what's your favourite chocolate bar? There's no meaning to it. I've got a top three. Um, th- number three would be a twirl. Um, I'm a big. I think Cadbury's a, a tremendous. Um, number two is a Dairy Milk. Um, it's a classic. And a number one is a Bounty. It's it, yeah. I, I I always find myself drawn to the Bounty. I have to say when I go to a garage. Normally, it's when I go to a garage and get petrol. I can't resist just sticking a sticking a Bounty on top. So yeah, that, that that's <laughs> yeah. That, I'm sure everyone is is. Yeah, it's a really important moment to hear that. But. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of re- a lot of listeners uh, in North America and other places going a what a what and a what. But anyway, oh, and a gas station rather than a petrol station. But anyway, uh, it doesn't matter. Those are your top, I didn't know we had to do top threes. And you're right, why? There's no point. But hey, it's chocolate. That's why. Uh, Amy, what about you? Favourite chocolate bar and why? Apparently, you've made lots of notes. No, no, no. I've made re- related notes, which will become clear later, which is to do with Twix. But uh, no, my, I, I can do a top three. You won't be surprised to hear. In reverse order, those lint... Chocolate. We call them chocolate bowling balls in our house. They're a, a particular treat. The round ones with like it's quite soft inside, and uh, Too rich, they are yum. But lovely. I've always loved an after eight, not just after a curry. Uh, I'll stick after eight in there, and in that kind of dark chocolate mint combo, my my winner is a bit unusual. I def- uh, never mind people in North America. I think a lot of people in England probably don't know about uh, this chocolate because it's not very fashionable anymore. But it was my grandma's favourite. And she always had it and we used to have it at her house. So it reminds me of her. Whenever I see it in the news agent or something like that, I, I, I just grab one as well. And that's a, a fries chocolate cream. The dark blue one, to be specific. Old school. Um, Old school. It's mint and chocolate. Yeah, mint and chocolate. But just on the subject of, you know, things you stick in at the last minute in the petrol station or whatever, emergency fruit pastels, always. Yeah, I lost a filling the last time I had one of them. So I've sort of, uh, yeah, backed off. Uh, by the way, can you go pastels, Amy? I know this is really important. Can you go pastels back to back to back? Can you just basically destroy the whole packet in, in one yeah, go? Yeah, but I don't like oranges. 
They they come, listener, in various flavours. <laughs> essentially, the flavours are green, orange, red, and black. Greens, essentially. greens are king. I can't yeah, yeah, believe yeah, they're very we're nice. having this conversation. Come give me one other. <laughs> give us your favourite chocolate. One other Ian. thing. Well, no, one other thing. I, I should say after eights are these sort of mint and chocolate, and they uh, and it's dark chocolate, so they're meant to be sort of sophisticated. But the thrill of eating an after eight at seven in the evening was really quite something, I feel. Because <laughs> the whole idea, of course, is that it's a late night chocolate, whatever that is. Uh, bearing in mind, this is an Arsenal podcast. I'm going for a Kit Kat for two reasons. Very simple, right? One, the wrapper is red and white. Guna chocolate, that is. Two, we used to sit next to a bloke at Highbury who we called Kit Kat because he used to eat one every half time. <laughs> uh, if you're listening, hello, Kit Kat. I also once saw him holding a burger in one hand and a cigarette in the other, a singularly the most unhealthy thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Anyway, Twix before every uh, game. It seems to be working, Bukayo. Keep eating them. It doesn't sound that uh, healthy in terms of an athlete's diet, but you're looking in good shape, so well done. Bukayo Saka against Alisson, and he fires it in emphatically. Job done by the young man. Another rocking Emirates Stadium occasion. A great game as well, by the way. Arsenal beat Liverpool 3-2, went back to the top of the table. It's difficult to know what to talk about first, but uh, as we as we have been talking about him, can I suggest, but Bukayo Saka, after what happened to him last summer at the Euros when he missed the penalty for England, uh, to step up for this one, have to wait two and a half minutes, two and a half minutes from 72-54 to 75-17. I looked it up. He had to wait two and a half minutes to take it. Well, there's all sorts of arguments and complaints. And then to puff out his cheeks and bury it in the bottom corner for the winner is a decent place to start, I feel. Uh, the guy is 21 years old, Adrian. What a star. Yeah. yeah, what a star indeed. Yeah, star mentality as well as having twinkle toes and, and just, just great ability. Yeah, that was a long wait, and yeah, I felt I I was pacing around where I was. I couldn't sit still. Yeah, um, his heart must have been racing. But yeah, it was it was a really cool penalty. Allison is a great keeper as well, and quite an intimidating player, I would imagine. One of the toughest, I w- I would say to to beat from from twelve yards out. But he he did it easily. So yeah, it was a it's a really good day for him. I thought he got at Simakas throughout. The game, he had positive intent. I mean, Liverpool did leave the door open a few times, but but he, he was really, really positive. He was involved, obviously, in the first goal heavily. He scored the next two. So it was a, it was a big, big day for, for Bukayo Saka. And people keep telling me, well, Bukayo's not really got going yet this season. Well, he keeps scoring and he keeps making goals. So if that's him not really getting going, it's, yeah, I can't wait for, for the engine to, to really start up. I mean, some of the stats, 20 goals and provided 19 assists for Arsenal in the Premier League, second only to Cesc Fabregas for the Gunners in the competition before turning 22. I mean, that's exalted company to be keeping, Amy. Well, he's a fairly exalted player, uh, I would say. I I just think it's, you know, you you mentioned it before about, you know, the penalty for England and, and how he's responded to that. Flawlessly, let's be honest. You know, you almost, sometimes you wait for a kind of, aftershock you know it might you know someone might manage quite well to start with uh, and then there's a bit of a reaction a bit further down the line if they have some sort of trauma or difficulty but you know he has got this capacity to to stay incredibly humble and grounded whatever's going on it was also apparent he seemed to be a bit targeted I think in this game uh, early on by the Liverpool players a little bit on rotation and he took a few heavy fouls 
most of which were just waved away, which was probably frustrating for him. So I think to have that uh, mentality where that doesn't put you off your stride either is impressive. Can I on that very quickly? They really did. Every time he got the ball, whoever it was went touch tight and they tried to force him. They either tried to kick him or they tried to force him backwards. They didn't want to give him any room. It was a definite tactical ploy. It was a tough game for Bukayo Saka, but he comes out of it with two goals. Two goals. Absolutely fantastic. And do you think also that... You know, we all saw that uh, that film of him coming back to the Emirates after the summer and that wall of love. There can only really be, that's what it was, a wall of love. And and I do think, and I've talked a lot about the fans, and I will again, but they that made that must have made a huge difference to him, Adrian. I mean, you know, you, you miss a penalty, you get an enormous amount of, of appalling uh, uh, racist abuse. And then to come back to a place and to, to be confronted by thousands of letters and the teddy bear and all the other stuff. We all saw the film of it. it, it he must have, I don't know, it, something in his heart must have thought, well, this is the place to be, really. And, it, and, and he responds accordingly. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was almost emotional watching him viewing it, wasn't it? And, and well done, Arsenal, because Arsenal did that for him. Um, I believe. Anyway, they, they they were so overwhelmed by by messages of support that they thought it would be a good idea to to to, to put them all in one place for him to go and to go and look at, rather than. And by the way, it was ordinary members of staff who took that decision and who Brilliant. put the hours in. You know, three or four people who worked literally morning till night pinning those messages up on a on a you know on boards for him to see. You know, they just decided to do that sort of off their own back for Bukayo. Like you said, they could have it's just given him... family members do. Exactly. They, they just go that extra mile to look after after him. And he does the same. And you see even in the Amazon doc that he comes in with Christmas presents for members of staff, you know, who maybe don't expect that from, uh, you know, one of the first team stars. Superstar football. But he's just yeah. a, a, such a, a phenomenally good egg as well as being a phenomenally good footballer. You know, it's just amazing that he's gone from that moment to, you know, he's also get a penalty. He's the penalty taker. I mean, when you think back how Dennis Bergkamp, one of the most uh, refined players in world football, when he missed that penalty, or it was saved, I should say, in that semi-final in 99, he said, right, I don't want pens anymore. And he had a phenomenal uh, penalty record prior to that and was an outstanding technician. And, And was six or seven years older than Bukayo as well. At that point, and some, yeah, in fact, more, more than that, actually, than that, yeah. more than that. So, so yeah, I know what he's done. Bukayo is incredible, and what he did yesterday was fantastic. While we're on the subject of family, by the way, Gabriel Martinelli has talked about Arsenal being a family. Um, I mean, Amy, he looks utterly terrifying. Whoever he plays against at the moment, deadly finish for the first, teed up second for the second, heavily involved in the lead up to the penalty. I mean, we know how much Jurgen Klopp thinks of him because he's he's gone on record and talked about him. But what have we got here? I mean, how good can he be? Because I do think he's possibly the best wide player in the country playing in the Premier League at the moment. And he's a kid. The answer to the question, how good can he be, is something that will only can only justifiably be answered in another couple of years. Because there is still development to do. He is still quite raw. And I think that in terms of dis- the, probably the single biggest factors with him that will determine quite how high he goes in his level is decision-making and playing with his head up because everything else is there. His energy and stamina and 
hunger on and off the ball is exceptional. Uh, and that's what's causing such trouble for his opponent. But there are times when you think, oh, was that? I mean, it was it was fantastic that he picked out that pass for Bukayo in particular because half might have backed him to have a shot or... Yeah, try and call one in the top uh, corner, You know, because yeah. I think his, in his gut, you know, he, he just can see the goal. And what he has to do is refine that so that he still maintains that thing that in his gut he sees the goal but in his head he also can see the bigger picture and do the right thing for the team more of the time which is which is probably the difference between being a great player and an absolute genius player adrian would you would you think that's fair yeah absolutely yeah absolutely i Agree with everything you just said. I, I just keep thinking, what a bargain it was! What a great million. piece of scouting! What a great piece of scouting <laughs> it is! It shows it can be done, doesn't yeah. it? It shows that, that the days of picking out an Elka um, are not over. You can, you can, if you if you get in early enough and recognise the talent soon enough and cultivate that relationship and take a risk on paying six million for someone that no one really knows about. That it can it can really pay off for you. I thought he was the man of the match. I thought he was brilliant. That was a, a sensational pass for for Saka. A great finish, obviously, inside a minute as well. Um, yeah, he, he's tremendously exciting. I tell you, the one player you, you just said, how good can he be? And and Amy's answer was bang on. I was thinking about who can he be as good as, um, and and the, the player he reminds me of a little bit is Son. But there's a little bit of Son Heung-Ming about him in terms of his directness, the way that he, he frightens defenders when he's running with the ball and he's capable of obviously drifting inside and either playing a killer pass or scoring a goal. And I think, you know, we don't like to talk about Tottenham players, uh, you know, in, on this podcast, but he, he can definitely, he's not far off him now. He's been better than Son this season by a million miles. Um, but he can he can maybe replicate his... Uh, goal involvement output over a number of years and that is that is a wonderful thing for, for Arsenal to have on their hands. Five goals and five assists in his last 14 appearances uh, in the Premier League. I mean, it's end product as well, isn't it? A um, couple of um, other players. We could, of course, go through the entire team, uh, listener, and, and we'd be happy to. But a couple that I particularly want to talk about. One, Takahiro Tomiyasu. Now, Mikel Arteta, we think, oh, I think most people would agree, that we made a ta- he made a tactical decision to put him up against Mo Salah because he loves cutting in on the right-hand side and, and uh, Tommy is right-footed. Anyway, Tommy was so good, uh, Salah was taken off. Was taken off. He didn't give him a kick. He won the most ground duels, the most aerial duels, the most tackles and made the most ball recoveries against Liverpool. Adrian, he's our third choice left back. <laughs> That's what we've got there. I know. It, it, was a, it was a really interesting tactical call. Probably the most interesting of the season so far from Mikel Arteta. He's been quite predictable with his starting 11s because he, he knows what his best team is and, and we all know how they want to play. So this was something different. It was not an easy decision because he, he had to look Kieran Tierney in the eye and say, sorry, Kieran, you're not playing. Because as soon as Kieran knew that Zinchenko was out, he, he would have thought he would play. So, you know, that wouldn't have been easy, but it was the right call. I think you've nailed it there. It, it was, um, he trusts him defensively. No Salah comes in on, on the inside, which which suits Tommy. And as the game panned out, I think Mikel would have also have read 
read the plan from Liverpool, which was to ping long, long diagonals to the wings, particularly in that first half. They went really direct and they were, they were lashing balls across to the wide players. I mean, that's what Tommy's all about. <laughs> you, know, you want to ping a crossfield pass, Tommy's going to be in the right place and, and win that header, isn't he? Especially against Salah. So, yeah, very good call from, from Mikel and uh, a really solid, well, just a trademark solid performance from Tommy Asu. What I liked about Tommy Asu as well in this game was that he didn't try and overdo it. He, he kept things very, very simple because he was out of his comfort zone. And um, I think that's exactly what you have to do in those situations. Don't overdo it. Don't try too hard. Just just do do the basics properly. And he did it. There's so much, I think, to like about the performance against Liverpool. But Adrian, I really wanted to ask you something. There was a period, particularly, I, I think, around the sort of second half of the first half, if you know what I mean, where, it, where Liverpool suddenly got going. And although they weren't, massively threatening in terms of, of goal opportunities. We were struggling to get the ball uh, and, and, and that was replicated a bit again in the second half. And when you compare it to, say, the Tottenham game where Partey was sort of running it from midfield, suddenly it looked like he was had swarms of Liverpool players around him and he was he looked like he was on his own. What was going on there and what can Arsenal do to try and was it that Granite and Erdogan were too far away or were too high but it felt the balance felt wrong for a while and it felt like we had to hang in there and I think to take that next step of being really controlling of big games not just you know hanging in there that's probably the next thing that needs to to improve yeah it's a really good question I haven't had time <laughs> to watch the game back yet um for the breakdowns that I do so so I'll, I'll be able to answer this better in a day's time <laughs> but at the time um when I sat watching it I, the thing that stood out to me was Thomas Partey kept being dragged out of position. Now against Tottenham, and the whole season he stayed down that central spine, not moved, and he's been brilliant. I think our midfield just got pulled apart by, by Liverpool um, to the wings um, because they only had two people in midfield, didn't they? So they went, they sort of went down the sides and it dragged him out across. And then, of course, if he didn't win the ball... It leaves space in the middle for someone else and then they can switch the point of attack. And I, I think he just got pulled out of position. We couldn't get the ball. You, that's what, exactly what you said. We did just didn't... Every time we had the ball against Liverpool, we had we carried a real threat, but we couldn't... There was a period of the game where we couldn't get enough of the ball. And um, I think Liverpool's tactics of going sort of 4-2-4 caused us problems during that period. You know, the two, cent, two centre-forwards up against two centre-halves, that was a problem because we weren't able to protect them in the way that we we wanted to because of what I've just said. So what happened was Partey dragged out of position, someone else gets the ball and they have time to play those balls down the side of centre-backs for Darwin Nunez or Jota or whoever it was. And it was scary for a while, wasn't it? They They were pretty good, Liverpool, during that period. So do you think that in a situation like that, again, Arsenal should change it, you know, maybe pull someone back to create more of a kind of two in midfield. Or do you think they just keep doing what they're doing and hang in there, which is sort of yesterday's tactic, which worked out, but like might well have not done. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think sometimes you've got to manage the situation in a game and maybe it's down to Partey to say, hang on a minute, I'm, I'm being asked to do too much here. Granite, 10 minutes come next to me, hold my hand and we're not, going, we're not going to get dragged out. I think that's, but that comes with experience, doesn't it? And I think, or it comes with um, going through experiences as a team. So the next time that happens, I think hopefully that, yeah, they'll, they'll approach it differently because 
what happened was we had to get to half time and obviously we we nicked a goal didn't we which which changed the dimension what i felt was really interesting was that in the second half and I spoke about this on the breakdown live we've been forced into playing a counter attacking game in that first half is Mikel going to be happy with that or is he going to flip it around and we, are we going to take the front foot approach like we did against spurs and i wanted him to do the front foot approach and we did we really did and how did we do it aggression we, we we suddenly Partey was driving through players and Saka was driving through players and Martinelli and we were playing those early balls into the corners behind the fullbacks and we were just going at them and that's that was a joy to watch because it's brave it was brave football and I loved it. Here's Bukayo Saka. Six weeks today, England start their World Cup campaign and Arsenal starting their campaign here in electrifying fashion with Martinelli. Just over a minute gone, and this is the Arsenal that have been taking the lead by storm this season. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. If you're into your tactics and football analytics and you're looking for a deeper understanding of the game, you can join me, Ali Maxwell, along with Michael Cox and the rest of the Athletics data team for our Football Tactics podcast. Find new episodes every week on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places. We were a bit uh, with the handbrake at time. The other day we did uh, talk about Ben White as well on this podcast I mean I, for selfish reasons I hope he doesn't go to the World Cup I'd like him to be sort of swaddled in cotton wool for a month and then just keep him fit but he does look uh, from an England perspective the perfect replacement for Carl Walker should he not go to the World Cup um Ben White and Saka have got a nice little partnership going on as well. I noticed Mikel Arteta talking to the two of them about how they combined. Yannick Bellassi, uh, ex-Palace winger, did this tweet. Martin Ellibin quality today, defo man of the match, but Ben White is a beast. Quality on the ball, composure in the runs he makes, such a clever player. Uh, Amy, you weren't on the pod, I don't think, when we talked about Ben White, but a little Ben White appreciation at this point because he, I mean, not only does he not look... look like a centre-half playing at right-back. He looks like a natural uh, wing-back, almost. The way he's bombing on past um, uh, past Bukayo Saka, he, he has got all the qualities you need to play in that position, and he's made it his own. Yeah, remarkable, really. And he, he's also got this um, mentality that I think is a huge asset. You get the. Did you see his interview uh, after the game yesterday? It was going... I, it, he, he, no. I think he gave an interview to Norwegian TV that got kind of passed around on social media. And he's a very cool guy, you know. He doesn't want to get overdrawn on things, but you know that they're deep down he's got his very kind of strong views on what he thinks and, and what's going on. Arteta said about him quite a lot that he's his hunger and desire to keep learning and keep improving is quite extreme. It's really, really full on. And you can see that yeah, even in the relatively short while he's been at the club, he already looks an improved player. And he looks to be coming on experience on experience, game on game, week on week, month on month, season on season. And that that will to 
keep pushing yourself to be better when he's pretty good already is uh, is I think what's helping him to to sort of grab it. I'm sure a lot of people thought that probably him playing right back at the beginning of the season was temporary. And it's overcomplicated almost when you see what Tommy did against Liverpool playing on that left-hand side. You know, I, I, I found myself watching Tommy and thinking, how has he not been playing? He's so good. You know, they're, they're both extremely strong performers, uh, as is Zinchenko and Tierney. So it's it's odd to have this situation where you... I mean, I'm not really sure what the first choices should be. I mean, Mikel's... I'm not sure he's sure either because obviously it, when he's got options at fullback, he's choosing different players for different situations um, and there's been some chopping and changing. But uh, it's a huge improvement on past seasons where there's been people sort of filling in in those positions who are not ideal. Yeah, and Ben White, you got to remember. Obviously, Leeds are a big club, but when he was playing there on loan from Brighton, they were in the Championship. Um, he, you know, when he was playing for Brighton, Brighton is a much lower pressure club. Um, so it, this is a big step up for him playing for Arsenal, and now he's playing in matches that matter at the top end of the Premier League. He's, he's, he's hopefully soon going to be in the Champions League, and he's growing he, into it. He's growing into it, and and. and the only way you can handle those incremental step-ups is to keep getting better yourself. So, you know, all power to him for, for working so hard at his game. I mean, and for embracing this new role. Because I, I I know a lot of centre-halves that would have been like, put me at fullback. what's that all about? Um, but but he, he's taken that on as a challenge and he's passing it. Well, he's passed it. He, he now looks a proper right back. Yeah, He does. And and Adrian, one more thing you mentioned, which I want to talk about, the general chat really, is about how adventurous this team are. I mean, <laughs> this is football with a handbrake most definitely off, right? <laughs> yeah. They attack whoever they, whenever they get the chance and they leave themselves vulnerable as well, let's be fair, but they do it anyway. Um, just one stat from yesterday, Arsenal had 46 touches in Liverpool's box yesterday. Uh, that is more than they had in the last five games against Liverpool combined, 44. And Liverpool have only allowed that many touches in the box once in the last few seasons and that was against, obviously, Manchester City. Um, is this part of the reason that there's such a connection, Adrian, this this love for this this team at the moment is because of how adventurous they are? Yeah, I think you want, when you go and watch your, your team play, you want them to be bold and brave and buccaneering and adventurous. That's just what you want when you've paid your ticket money. You want to see them trying to score goals and, and that's what this team are doing and they're doing it against top teams, aren't they? I mean, Liverpool, um, Liverpool are, are, are one of the best teams in, in Europe. We know that. Champions League finalists a few months ago, we scored three goals against them and we created numerous chances. Tottenham are, are, are dull as dishwater, we know that, but they are blooming good they're at defending. I, I commentated on their game at Brighton and it was a dreadful game, but it was a dreadful game because they made it a dreadful game because they just put six players along the edge of their 18-yard box and said, come on then, come and break us down. We scored three against Spurs when they did that. So, yeah, it's the attitude as well as the skill level is is definitely worthy of our sort of um, praise. Um, yeah, very... I, I just I just think this is a really brave team, a really fearless team, because Liverpool are hard and they get in... They, they close you down and they, they really press... They're not as good at, at pressing right now as they have been, but they were still good at it in this game. Yet it didn't stop us. We, 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 
Under pressure, we found the right pass. Under pressure, the next player flicked it to the right player. It was our ball circulation in difficult circumstances was top, especially in that second half. It's good. It's good. Well, here's the question. Here's Amy, you're not going to like this question, but I'm going to ask you anyway, right? This was a wounded Liverpool, right? Who knew if they lost, they were going to be 14 points behind Arsenal after nine games. We deservedly beat them. So now that we're essentially a quarter of the way through the season, I want to ask, what what are we watching? I mean, if Man City weren't involved, would we be favourites for the title? Are we witnessing the start of something special? I genuinely feel like we are, but I'm asking you. Yeah, but you can't say if Manchester City weren't, you know, that's... I know that, but I am. <laughs> well, it's silly. All right. Are we, are we favourites for second place then? <laughs> That's what I'll ask as an actual practical. I mean, how good can this team be is, I suppose, the question. You can, you can project and you can speculate and you can give an, a, a, an idea of an answer. Or you can just say, bollocks, I'm going to enjoy the moment and not put too much pressure on what you, know, what you expect or hope or want for. I think the beauty of what's going on at the moment, on and off the pitch around Arsenal, is that everybody is loving this ride without putting on excess expectation and pressure. And it's helping everyone. I didn't see fans behind the goal yesterday, before, during or after the game, wanting for anything more than to relish, cherish and win this game of football. I just, I, I guess it comes from the years of, you know, it's been a rough ride for a decade, a lot of the time. There have been punctuation marks that have been beautiful and winning cups and so on, but it hasn't been easy. And I think everybody knows that it would be mad to get carried away at this point. The season is still young. Um, it's going to be a, a one-off, unique season in any event. So it's quite extra difficult to predict because of the interruption of the World Cup and the impact that might have on players' fitness, players' fatigue, injuries, who spends money in January, etc., etc. Which players come in to help which clubs in which positions? There, there has been, you know, essentially a more or less big six, as they call it now, fighting it out for those Champions League places for ages. It's a blessing for Arsenal that that they're in the mix from the top and they're not in the mix from underneath trying to climb up the ladder to to get into that top four. You almost feel like there's a bit of a cushion or a bit of breathing space and that's brilliant. But the the way that this run has uh, occurred is by just everyone feeling good and giving off their best game by game. You won't find people inside the club tolerating a question like are Arsenal favourites for second place or even that, you know, would they be favourites for the title if Man City didn't exist? Footballers can't think like that. Yeah, that but, way madness yes, lies. I, you know. I I agree, Amy. I agree with that. But don't you think it's up to the fans at this point? I'll ask Adrian this, right? Don't you think it's up to the fans to dream big and to project that belief onto the players a little bit. I mean, I, I spoke to Amy last night. Admittedly, we both had a few, right? <laughs> we both had a few, and why not after we've beaten Liverpool and gone back to the top of the league? But my my sort of idea is that when you see what Liverpool fans can do at Anfield, when they sing You'll Never Walk Alone and they believe it and the, the amazing things that have happened there, the way that Celtic, a very average team, really, were unbeaten 
at Celtic Park for about 70 games, beat Barcelona, a team who are about eight levels better than them, because the crowd believed. And there's such a connection right now between the team and the fans that maybe us dreaming and us believing is what this team needs for the rocket fuel to make them achieve something spectacular. Yeah, but we are dreaming, aren't we? Of course we're dreaming. <laughs> but but it doesn't it doesn't mean we think it, we think it's going to happen. I'm not saying it is going to happen. I'm just saying shouldn't we dream? Yeah, we absolutely should dream and I wouldn't change anything about Emirates just to, just keep it as it is. I love it. And 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 if we lose, the same as if we if a player concedes a goal or scores an own goal or whatever we've seen the great reaction instant reaction I want the same to happen when we lose and I'm sure it, I, I think it will because we will well we might not lose a game at home all season that would be nice but if we do we, I'm sure the crowd will will stick with the team but yeah no Amy's right you know she's right we just, we just got I know she's it. I know she's yeah. right as well but you know what she said to me last night she said to me that stewards were giving out hugs and high fives to fans as they were leaving I mean when does that ever happen Adrian when was the last time Adrian you hugged a steward I mean I'm genuinely asking <laughs> do, this do you know what <laughs> It might have been yesterday because <laughs> I was in the I was at, on the box level. No, I, I hugged a stranger. Um, yeah, some, yeah, um, because there was there were limbs everywhere, and yeah, just someone hugged me. And I think it might have been the Tottenham game. It might have been a steward that actually hugged me. So um, yeah, no, it happened. <laughs> no, it's 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 it. There are things going on that the cameras are not seeing. So you know the cat. You know when you watch a game on 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 TV. And obviously they've got their cameras in certain places and most of what you see is either the interior of, uh, of the stadium where the seats are or outside the ground. But what they're missing is the concourses. There's something going on in the concourses that is really, really happening as well. And it feels completely different to pretty much any time ever at the Emirates. It's home now, isn't it? There, it is. There was, a, there was a couple of guys I was chatting to yesterday queuing up to, to get something to drink and one of them turned around and said he was looking around and he was like this is you know this is amazing and he said uh, I'll tell you what the local pubs are in trouble and <laughs> what he was driving at is that people are coming early exactly what all the you know the clubs wish for uh, is come early spend your money have a couple of drinks stay afterwards and that's what's happening now because people want to be there longer they want to prolong the feeling they want to get in early. They want to feel the singing and the buzz and stick around afterwards. It's not, it's, it's a different energy. And that energy, it's like, it's crackling inside the concourses. And then, of course, once people go out into the, into the main part of the stadium, it, they bring that with them and it, and it cascades down onto the pitch and, and back again. It's, it's, a, it's a very unifying feeling at the moment. I think everybody feels it. Unity is what you you had that chat with Mikel Arteta, didn't you, Amy? And that was a word he used quite a lot uh, a few months ago. Unity, and and there's no doubt there's a huge amount of unity. Uh, as for the tweet tweeters who um, who asked whether I've been smoking the hopium pipe, <laughs> very funny. I can't. I'll name check you when I find it. My ridiculous optimism. Actually, somebody this morning asked me if I've gone on tilt. I have, to be honest. I'm completely, I'm smitten with this lot and I'm loving every second of it. And like you say, Amy, you just want to be there, right? So uh, Can I start uh, calling you Cosmic Ian? (laughs) 
Um, y- yes, of course you can. I'm I'm happy with that. <laughs> this is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Ian Stone here with Amy Lawrence and Adrian Clark on a very happy day uh, for Gooners everywhere. We beat Liverpool 3-2, went back to the top of the table. One little, um, well, was it a kink in the whole day? I don't think it was really, but just um, uh, comments that Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang made uh, yesterday um, or a couple of days ago about Mikel Arteta, uh, basically saying that he can't deal with big players Adrian, he can deal with big players. What he does is it they either get in line or they go. Isn't that dealing with them? Yeah, it's Gabriel Jesus, not a big player. It's, it's, it's not big. I mean, not big enough for Pierre Emmerich. I, I mean, seriously, no. It's a, it's a, it's a. I think it's a tired old cliche um, that was that was banded around when Mikel was not getting good results, but when he was in the process of finding out that a lot of the senior players he'd inherited weren't the right types of characters for him. Um, and and he made some ruthless decisions. It's not because he didn't, he didn't get rid of the big players or the senior players because he couldn't handle them. He got rid of them because he thought the youngsters would do a better job and, and they are. So yeah, it's, I don't know. It was a weird video, wasn't it? It was a weird video. He's in a bedroom with some people with some jewellery and they're just talking about football, yet they're filming it and he's he's speaking openly. And yeah, look, he's not going to be happy. Mikel Arteta got rid of him. Um, he's not going to love him. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, it was, it's proven to be the right call to to get rid of those those players that he did and to bring in young, hungry players that are willing to listen and learn. I mean, that's not a bad thing. Anything to add to that, Amy? I just don't think it's important enough to penetrate the world of Cosmic Ian at the moment, you know? I just, <laughs> not that bothered. I, I, I really not. <laughs> no, I, I agree. I think what, the interesting thing, one, one before we move on, um, uh, Pep Guardiola said that one of the things that makes Haaland so special, he has no ego. Uh, it's, that was the thing he actually said. And and I think uh, it does seem like our dressing room right at the moment does not have uh, any egos. And Granit Xhaka is, is a player, is a big player with a big character and personality. And you have to say he's one of Mikel Arteta's favourites, wouldn't you? So there's no issue there. No, his timekeeping is obviously on the dot, I imagine. Uh, by the way, it was James Southby who said that. He, he was actually talking about Lee Dixon. Uh, uh, he misses Dicko on the pod. He was a grumpy old ex-pro in the corner to counter Stoney and his hopium pipe. Very, very funny. Uh, James, hang on, let me just take a toke now. Uh, <laughs> um, one other thing I wanted to mention was uh, Bodo Glimt. We got uh, Bodo Glimt away in the Europa League on Thursday. Um, you both going, I take it. Yeah. Oh, I, I was. I had my hand up, but uh, circumstances made that d- difficult. I would have absolutely loved to. And um, Ian. Yes. Uh, listen, I'm no expert, and I'm sure I'm saying it wrong, but it's not Bodo. It's Buddha. Buddha. If you can't do, you if you what? can't do the Buddha, go glimped. Buddha. Go glimped. Buddha glimped. All right, glimped. Okay. Thank you, Amy, and I will never make that mistake again. We were pulled up by uh, a Norwegian tweeter, and I think. Full respect. Let's try to get closer. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. How I, good were their fans, by the way? Uh, they they, were, they, they made a huge <laughs> amount of good noise. Good team as well. Uh, almost. 
They are a good team. And they're and as we said on the pod uh, last week, they are not easy to play against uh, in Norway. That, you know, this is not going to be an easy game, but we are flying at the moment. And one imagines that anyone else, anyone who comes into that team will have a similar attitude to the uh, 11 who started the game uh, yesterday. Let's have a song to finish. <laughs> Amy, I'm going to come to you first. Okay, this, this is when... Because I feel like I'm saving myself for Adrian. I'm, I'm... All right, okay. <laughs> Go on. Okay, so this is where the Twix research comes into its own. So I went down a little rabbit hole. of. Um, uh, I was trying to remember if there was a kind of old Twix advert of what the, uh, the motto would have been from back in the day. And it turns out that um, in the 80s to 90s, they had a, a, an advertising campaign that used the uh, yellow track. Oh, yeah. And I did a bit more research into into yellow. They're basically a couple of uh, they're Swiss. They're from Zurich, so obviously there's the Granite Xhaka connection, anyway. And um, the guy who was in charge of all the keyboards and the electronica side is called Boris Blank, which is a name I enjoyed. And uh, there was a couple of guys, you know, putting stuff together with yellow, and they realised they wanted to to find a singer. And Dieter, who they got to come in and do the oh yeah. Is uh, is a was a millionaire gambler. Well, you don't get many of them, do you? To be fair, and <laughs> no. uh, you know he he he's the one who provided the soundtrack. Anyway, I just thought that if you listen to it, it feels the right kind of mood for what's going on at the moment, and the Twix connection just gave it that extra something. <laughs> Perfect, Adrian. What you got <laughs> into the into the mind of Amy Lawrence? Hey, eh? it's. <laughs> It's deep in there, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You should phone her on a Sunday night after we meet in Liverpool 3 2. You get plenty of it. I, just, right? I feel so shallow. I feel, always feel so shallow when I'm on a run with Amy. <laughs> I did have another one, actually, if you want that as well. And I might save it for another yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Okay. No, I might come back to this one, on yeah, another was... day, but that, that, I, oh, God, am I really going to say this? I was dancing yeah, around on. the kitchen last night after the Liverpool uh, result listening to some music and on came Frankie Goes to Hollywood and Welcome to the Pleasure Dome. And oh, that, yeah, nice. yeah. that felt pertinent. That certainly works. I mean, uh, sorry, Adrian, but as we're talking about, I'm not embarrassed as such by the, my song choice, but I, one, I love the song. Uh, it's You Make Love in Fun by Fleetwood Mac. It's on Rumours, on the album Rumours, the multi-platinum selling album. Uh, selected lyrics, Sweet, Wonderful You, You Make Me Happy With The Things You Do. There's a lot of this, by the way. It's, it's uh, great, it's great you, for you someone make- who enjoys the hopium pipe. The lyrics like uh, this, yeah, right? You make love in fun, and I don't have to tell you, but you're the only one. I mean, we do love the Arsenal at the moment, and uh, that song. There's loads of it. I never did believe in miracles, but I have a feeling it's time to try. <laughs> I'd had a few, all right? I'd had a few. But, uh, hey, why not? In, as Amy said, let's enjoy the ride, because who knows? Uh, Adrian, what you got? I wanted to pick a song that um, was about enjoying the moment, and and... There's a song, um, my selection is is a song that's absolutely about, it's about, I believe it's about not worrying too much about what's going to happen in the future or what's happened in the past. And it's about good things are happening um, and let's enjoy the moment. It's it's Labyrinth, uh, Let the Sun Shine. Let the sun shine, and um, I think that that fits very nicely at the moment. Let's just let's just enjoy it. Not worry about what's going to happen or what might not happen. Um, yeah, let let the sun shine right now and and have fun. Quiet, 
This has been Handbreak Off. Thanks to uh, Amy and thanks to Adrian and thanks to Guy, our producer, and thank you, listener. Uh, enjoy your Monday. Uh, I'm sure you will. I'm Ian Stone. Have a good day. Ta-da. Mm-hmm.